uh, we'll read our verse together. Um, and now this is from, and Pastor Jonathan's doing this now, this uh, Christian Standard Bible, is that what it is? So you have to actually look at it because it's not the one you memorized when you were a kid, right? So let's read this together. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And if you memorize that verse, you'll have memorized three or four other verses as well because there's multiple places throughout the scripture, initially starting in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So it's a great verse to memorize. Uh, I remember when I memorized it and the Lord changed my life through it. So real quickly, why do you love the Lord your God? Let's praise you for that. Anybody have a reason why you love the Lord your God this morning? Because he loved me first. Ah, good. I think that's biblical, isn't it? <laughs> Anyone else? Bob? Salvation. Ah, because he redeemed us. Anyone else? I love him just because I choose to love him. Love is a choice. I'm sorry, Tish? He never leaves us or forsakes us. Never forsakes us, never leaves us. Love is a choice. We learn to love by watching others love. Anyway, a little sermon out from Rogers. All right, we're going through, and we've just started uh, the book of James. And so I, I'm, I'm hoping that what we, the goal of this, in my mind, James, the major theme of James is putting our faith into action. Faith that works. Faith that actually isn't just something that we think about, but we actually participate in doing. Okay? And so we want to look at that, and, and as we go through these things, how do we persevere through trials? To the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. This is the, if you're here this week, we started this lesson, which is typical, last week and didn't get finished with it, so we will finish it today. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, where, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking what? Lacking anything, okay? If any of you lacks what? Wisdom. wisdom. Okay, keep it. You should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person who doubts should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So in other words, again, he's talking about... The key idea here is faith. Can we trust the Lord? Can we believe and trust God? And then put that faith into action. And when we don't know how to do that, we should ask God to give us wisdom. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat, the withers and withers a plant. Its blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed. The same way the ritual faith even, uh, will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trials, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So persecution, then, is defined as hostility or mistreatment because of one's race, religious, or political beliefs. Okay? Obviously, what's going on here 
Here's a Jewish people, because of their religious beliefs, are being persecuted because they became followers of Christ. And because of that, that, that belief that they had, not even their actions, because their actions didn't warrant being killed, right? I mean, think about it. They weren't, they weren't rioting in the streets. They weren't burning Rome. They weren't doing anything that was uh, causing any discord. They were just living their lives and believing in a risen Savior. And they began being persecuted. So James is then writing to the 12 tribes that were scattered. Acts 8, 1, and I'm going to read these for time's sake because we want to finish the lesson today. And then the second half, I'll have you begin to share as well. And Saul approved of their killing him. Who's the him? Stephen. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Now those who had been scattered, Acts 11, 19, by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Venetia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word among the Jews. And that's why Paul later says that I'm, I'm the chiefest of sinners. I actually was the one who stood over this, the, the stoning of Stephen. I was encouraging this. I was supporting this. In fact, it's what caused the distribution of Jews all over the world, which then caused Paul, when he became a follower, to go, I have an obligation to them. I got to go. I'm the reason they're scattered abroad because when Rome saw how good it was, how, how, how popular it was that they killed Stephen, this is awesome, the persecution continued. And because of that then, they scattered abroad, and then Paul, when he became uh, a follower of Christ, when Saul became Paul, okay, he then saw this as an obligation. I've got to go out now and tell them. That's why they were scared, right? When Paul showed up, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to come into our midst and, and tell us about Jesus? Right, you're here to find out what the truth is, you know, and find out who's really a believer and have us persecuted. That's how they felt at first. Persecution is defined as hostility and mistreatment because of one's race, religious, or political beliefs. So we keep that in mind. What type of persecution did they face? What about Christians today? And what would the results be if it occurred on a wider scale in the United States? So these are questions that we're not going to take time to talk about this week, but I want you to think about them, okay? Think about the persecution that they faced in the first century. Think about our brothers and sisters in Christ who are under persecution today, some who are in prison, some who are dying by execution-style murder, okay? Some who are being starved to death. Some who are going through beatings in this world today. Now, the question will then be, what will we choose to be if that happens in Lynchburg, Virginia? How will we respond? We're not going to read this again because I just wrote it, but I read it. But James is writing to encourage this persecuted church now. So Paul, who became a believer, is now writing this out. Uh, and he, or James is writing, excuse me, James is writing to this persecuted church. And ultimately, he's trying to encourage them. Can trials cause discouragement? Think about it in your own life. When you go through, and I'm not just, again, last week I tried to illustrate this, but sometimes it's hard for us to relate to, to real trials and persecutions. 
because many of us haven't went through that. Our trials and persecutions are like things when the car breaks down or when we lose a job. But that doesn't necessarily mean we lost our job because we're a Christian. He's writing to these people who felt this firsthand. And we might as well. We may one day be under a trial. I remember several years ago. Uh, in 19, uh, let me think now, let me, in 1990, the lawyers came to Liberty University and said, You're t you are too religious. We will not permit, the state of Virginia will no longer permit you to receive uh, tag grants. Virginia residents for going to your school. You're, you're, we're, we're threatening to take away your federal rights to, to receive uh, Pell grants because you're too religious. And unless you change, you're no longer going to receive this. And there were some lawyers, they were fighting back and forth over this issue. And I remember, we used to call it chapel, and then they called it convocation. My class was called Christian Service, CSER. They said, no longer. It's going to be called General Education, G-N-E-D. Everybody remembers the G-N-E-D. It was CSER before that. It was Christian Service. And, there were, and these, we changed several different things during this time so that our students could continue receiving that benefit. What if the day comes and they say, religious institutions like Liberty University will no longer receive any federal funds or state funds because you're too religious? And we wonder why we have to build up our endowment. There is going to come a day, folks, when that's going to happen. I believe that. It'll be a sad day. But if we don't prepare now, we won't exist. And the, and the reality is, what about churches? We're seeing persecution now of churches and being sued. Churches being sued because they didn't wear masks at an outside event. So we're seeing things occur that we, be, we better be understanding of and that it's, it, it could be in our lifetime, our children's lifetime, our grandchildren's lifetime. Trials and testing should be expected. John 15, 18 to 26 says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own, as it is. You don't, do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. But Christians can choose, we can choose joy during trials and the testings of our faith, okay? When your faith is being tested, you can choose joy. You don't have to be uh, down in the mouth. You don't have to be getting, you know, talking and whining about everything that's going on in our world, etc., and that how bad things are for you. You can experience joy through that time. Know that it's a trial and not just a coincidence, that you're experiencing this real trial because of your faith and when you do trials have a purpose the testing of your faith produces perseverance or another translation endurance you're you can make it you can get through this you're going to be able to go through the other side i've used this phrase a lot of times okay when even at times at liberty i have felt like okay this is just isn't right my my comment has always been Lord willing, I can outlive them. I'll outlive them. 
Dr. Paul used to say, I'll outwork them. <laughs> the word know here means knowledge through personal experience. Okay, in other words, it's not just, gnosko is not just head knowledge. Like, I know that Wa George Washington was the first president of the United States. That's head knowledge. But I never knew George Washington. Though some of my students think I'm that old. I, did, I, I can know something, but when, you, when you've gone through it yourself, this is the type of knowledge it's talking about here. That when you go through that kind of experience, you have a different thing that you're experiencing it for yourself. Mark 13, 28 says, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as the twigs get tender and the leaves come out, you know that summer's near. In other words, you, can, you know certain things because you've seen it before. You've been through it, okay? Some of you in here have been through the loss of jobs. And some of you, it's been a couple of years, it's been a year. It was challenging. You can relate to that experience so much differently than someone who never has. Some of you are looking for jobs, trying to find a job, trying to find a different job. Those are challenging times and experiences. And when you go through that, you'll be able to use that as an experience to encourage others as well. Turn your focus from self to an eternal purpose. In other words, I, I'm going through this. How can I turn this from just about me to how this could be a channel of blessing to somebody else? How can, when I go through this, I can help someone else who's gone through it? I always find it, I'm, I'm blessed, I'm grateful, that when I share personal stories in my classes, okay, that I will have students that will make appointments because now there's something different. Okay, you told me a story of what you went through. Okay, you've earned the right to talk to me about this. And they'll come and make an appointment. I need to talk to you about this. And they do it in various ways. Different experiences. Pray and ask God for wisdom to help you mature in the faith. In context, here again, why do they need wisdom? See, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, in context here, we talked about last week. The idea is they're going, they're going through challenging times as a persecuted church. What do they need wisdom about now? They need to ask God. Keeping it in context, we can ask God for wisdom anytime. Okay, that's a fact. We don't go, well, this verse only relates to persecution. But in this situation, it does. So he says, he's telling these brothers and sisters in Christ, you have now been displaced. You are now in a, in, a, in a city, maybe in a country, in which you've never been before. You don't know anybody except for people that you see as you go by and kind of go, yeah, I'm with it, you know. It's like the Christians back in the 80s and 90s, I remember this, who would have Jesus' purse pins, but they would put it on the outside of their little pillow, they put it on the inside, and if you had one on the outside, they'd go like this. I, 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 can't, tell, I can't say it enough. It shocked me. How many people went, hey, me too. <laughs> That was the original Me Too movement. <laughs> oh, Me Too, I'm a Christian. I got my Jesus first bit. It's just hidden. It's like, what? But, but people would identify. Imagine what they're identifying with. And they're, they're now, they're in a place that they've never been, and now they need wisdom. Imagine if you would, if God, not through persecution right now, what if God called you to be on the mission field? And you left next month to go to a country you've never been before. 
For some, it would be terrifying. You don't know the language of the people. You're, you're going you're gonna to be out there sometimes. Does anyone here speak English? And when you find somebody that speaks English, they're your best friend. Help me get navigated around here. How can I find food? You know, I'm, I'm trying to find the bathroom. I can't tell you how many storefronts I've went into. You know, it's like amazing, all the different things that you see. Christians should learn to live a life from a spiritual and not one's social or cultural position. This is our new, new section, James 1, 9 through 11. Someone read that for me. Believers in humble circumstances also take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plants. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Okay. It's important to remember the people James is writing to in this letter. They were displaced Jewish followers of Jesus. What personal challenges or humble circumstances were they facing? Persecution. Persecution. Well, when they left from their homes, they didn't know where they were going or who would take them in or if anybody would, so they're just out open to the elements. Yeah. They're open to the elements? Uh, what, are you, what are you gonna bring to the various uh, circumstances of, of elevation? I remember being in Colombia, and we went up to a, a, one of the, the points um, where uh, Samaritan's Purse had a facility for them to spend the night to get new shoes, to get some needs that they have, food, etc for the rest of their journey, which may be weeks and months. But the elevation of this facility was over 12,000 feet high. And we were there when it was warm, but then by the, by the nighttime, it was in the 40s. And literally, beside the road, mothers would be walking with their two-year-old. Some were carrying newborns. Some were eight months pregnant, walking, and all they could do was ask, can I sleep in your barn? Can I sleep in your shed? Because they weren't gonna let them in their house. Can I sleep on your, for your front porch? To hopefully get enough warmth, and they would carry with them what they had, which was, it's, think about this now, walking for days with what you can carry. Imagine if you left your house today and you were walking to California. How much would you carry with you? You carry a backpack and maybe a little suitcase that you pull along with you. How much are you going to take? Who's going to rob you along the way? Who's going to do other things to you along the way and take advantage of you? This is what people are experiencing. Do you think that, that today's different than back then? Imagine what they went through and the humble circumstances that they were under and they were facing at that time. What high position were these followers of Christ to take pride in during their trials of testing? See, how do we, how do we go through that mindset? See, back here he says that take pride in their high position. What was their high position to take pride in? 
their faith. Their high position. They are a new creation in Christ. Now, here's the question for us today. Do we really take value? How do you value your salvation and faith? Think about that for a moment. You're under persecution. You're suffering. Do you value your relationship with Christ? Do you value who you are in Christ? As a high position. Or do we have an earthly mindset of, well, what's my title? What's my bank account? What's whatever? How do we view our relationship with God and does it depend on how we experience life? Romans 8, 16 to 18. Someone read that for me. Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. We indeed share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Consider that our gifts our present suffering Amazing. So, you know, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit testifies that our spirit, that we're children of God. Okay? The Holy Spirit testifies in our spirit that we're God's child. And if we are, then we're heirs of God, heirs, join heirs with Jesus. When you're an heir to something, what does that mean? You're entitled to something. You're entitled to something. What? Um, the inheritance. The inheritance. What does Jesus own? Everything. <laughs> what does he own? Think about that. Who is God? If you're a joint heir with God, and he's put you in that position, I'm giving you everything I have. You're, you're my children. You've got it all. And he says, if indeed we share in his sufferings, we're, we don't just take the good stuff. Okay, that's the, that's, that's the reality, folks. When, you, when you're a joint heir with Jesus, you don't just get eternity. You don't just get resurrection. You don't just get the cattle on a thousand hills. You also get the cross. What did Jesus say to us? If you're going to be my disciple, take up your cross daily. Follow me. In other words, if we're really going to be a follower of Christ, do we accept the cross? Do we die to ourselves? That's hard. Because self is so important to all of us. And how much stake do we put in this world? Or are we having an eternal perspective on everything? Is James speaking against the rich here? No. I want to make that very clear. Those who are healthy and wealthy, etc., must understand the fleeting nature of their condition when trials come into their life. See, here's the issue. Everything we have can be gone in an instant. Can be gone in an instant. You can look at your portfolio and go, I've got a million dollars. I've got $2 million. I've got $72. And in an instant, 
it could all be gone. Well, of course not. We're, we're protected by the federal government. Yeah. War has changed a lot of things, hasn't it? Could you imagine what the world would be like if the internet and our satellites were taken down? We had no access to any proof of owning anything. Some said, well, that doesn't bother me because I've saved gold. Go spend it once. Hey, you think your life is safe? We live in a world, people will do anything when they're hungry. Sorry for the excitement of the microphone. Blessed is the one who perseveres and endures in the trials. James 1.12, someone read that for me. Blessed is the one who per perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Blessed. Blessed is the same word used in the Beatitudes here. Okay? Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay? It means more than happy or carefree. The hills are not always alive with the sound of music. Right? It is a deep inner joy or satisfaction that can only come from God. It will help them get through the trials with joy. Blessed is the one who perseveres. You're going to get through this not by your own strength, but by the strength of God who lives within you. He will help you get through this. Only God can help you get through this. God will give you something that only he can give. He will get you through this experience. The crown, okay, clarity here, is not a royal crown, okay, but a victor's crown. You know, in other words, uh, this crown that we get, is uh, the crown of life, isn't something that we wear on our head. Do -do -do -do. King Lou, or maybe from the Jungle Book, King Louie. No, it's a victor's crown, as in an athletic event. What is that victory crown? It is eternal life for all who love him. Someone read Romans 2.10, or Revelation 2.10. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. And I will give you life as your victor's crown. See, in other words, when you go through difficulties, and there's going to come a time when persecution is going to come, and the Antichrist is going to be revealed, and all these things that are going to be happening in the future, and we pray that the rapture of the church is taking place, and we're out of here, praise the Lord. Amen. You know? But until then, do we expect, just because we're Americans, that persecution may not come our way? No. We're Americans. Doesn't happen to us. And we pray to that end. I hope none of us are in here going, bring it on. <laughs> I remember when Cheryl and I and the girls went to India and we went into the church and beside there, there was a, a plaque. And I think I've told you this before, but some of you know we're here, but there was a plaque at the back of the church and it had names on it. And I asked the question, 
who are those in the names? Just, you know, like, it, the, it, churches have it, like, it, in some churches, Protestant churches, things like that, like, where the hymn is going to be, what's the hymn numbers of the day, and scripture verses that will be read, and they sit back there, how much money came in. They didn't have that in this church. They just had names on a board like that. And I said, who are those people in the names? Those are the people who have been murdered for their faith. And I, we were with orphans. And some of the kids are like, I can't wait to be a martyr myself. I'm going to be one of those people. I want to get up on that board. And I said, let me tell you something. It's a whole lot easier to get on that board than it is to live for your faith and sacrifice while you're here and now. What's death? Get on a board. But when you are under persecution and you still live your faith, you don't die. But you have to live under persecution and share your faith in the midst of it. To be light and salt in the midst of it. Be faithful. Even to the point of death. He says, I'll give you the life of the victor's crown. We're in a race, folks. We're in a battle. Let's get the victor's crown. By being faithful through it all. Regardless of what comes our way. We don't run from it. We accept it. But we're also then light and salt through it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, God, I pray that we would truly live the Christian life. That we would truly live in the midst of a world that does not love you. But may we love them. May we reflect Jesus in the choices that we make each day. Forgive me, Father, when I sin, when I get selfish, when I get prideful. God, help me to reflect you to everyone I come in contact with. And Lord, some, so often I just think about my own circumstances, but God, help me to think outside of me to the world that's around me. Thank you for the opportunities that we as a class have to not only meet like this, but to put into practice our faith by giving to things like the things of the McGurk House or whether it's uh, these that are at liberty, that are hungry. Uh, Lord, or those that are widows or those that or orphans, or those that are just in need of friendship and love, those that need the gospel, may we share it faithfully. Bless our families. Bless those that still can't come because of, of COVID or something else in their life. God, I pray that you would bless our class and help us to continue to grow, not for numbers' sake, but God, so that we can do more good to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all. Have a great week.